ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. We are super excited to have him with us for the first time. He is a former business analyst, but he's got a master's of divinity. And uh, I believe this is his second or third book. This is the first time he's been with us. I'll hold the book up on the video stream. The Triumph of the Redeemed that we're going to be talking tonight about Bible prophecy and Jonathan Brentner. Good to have you with us, sir. Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Well, it's great to have you with us. And I know your book is a lot, has a lot to do with uh, Bible prophecy. And one of the things that I, when I was reading the book, one of the things that really caught my attention was right in the very beginning, you say that you want people to look at Bible prophecy in terms of their everyday lives, not thinking about just this is some distant, you know, event, you know, the return of Christ, the rapture, yeah. those things. But you want us to think about this in our everyday lives. Why is that important? Because I think it gives you an internal perspective and it helps calm you as you watch things going on in this earth and with and in the world. <clears throat> for, for instance, when I think about what's going on with Russia and some of the things that Biden said, you know, you can really get nervous if you don't know that God is in control, he is sovereign, and God has a plan, and we have a sure hope that he's coming for us to take us to heaven before God's wrath explodes upon the world. And so we have this sure hope, and it's so important. And even this weekend, as I was thinking about some of the things Biden said, I thought, oh, no, he's really egging on Putin to do something drastic. But then you know that God is restraining things until the right time. And it just gives you that perspective that this earth is not our final home. There will be a new earth and a new Jerusalem, but this world is not our final home. I just love that because any problem that you have, looking at it in terms of eternity, it almost there's almost nothing that is really worth worrying about. Uh, I think I saw something. It was on Facebook this week. Somebody said it's the five by five rule. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend five seconds worrying about it. And I guess we could take that five by five rule and apply it to eternity and say, if it's not going to matter in eternity, don't worry about it here, you know, in, in our lives. But this is, this is the, this is the hope that we all have the hope of eternity, the hope of Christ's return. 
And it's it's mm-hmm. it's easy to get wrapped up in our daily lives and start worrying about paying the bills and and medical issues that people have and, you know, worrying about, uh, you know, what's happening, like you said, in Russia and Ukraine mm-hmm. and what's happening in the Middle East and with Iran and all these other things. But uh, God is in control and it is our right. hope, our overriding hope, right, of all of this, that someday we're going to be with him in eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the verses that I really like and I talk about it in the book is Romans 8.18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And what I like to think of there is a balance scale. And on one pan, you have all the glories of eternity, and it's weighted down on that side. And on the other pan, you have the afflictions of this life. And for the Apostle Paul, the afflictions of this life weren't weren't even worth being compared to the glory that he saw ahead for him that would be revealed to him in eternity. And so that is a real key verse that I go to often. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you get into in your book is this whole issue. And we mostly have had people on this show that are that are that believe in in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. You talk mm-hmm. about the yeah. rapture in your book. You also talk about a uh, pre-tribulation rapture. Um, let me start by asking you, why is that important? Because some people would say, hey, let's not disagree over whether it's pre, mid, or post. Let's just not worry about that. But in your book, you make an issue that this is something to to really focus on, the pre-tribulation rapture. Yes, exactly. And I try to lay out in an orderly fashion why I believe it is a pre-tribulation rapture. And I believe it's important because this is our imminent hope. It can happen at any minute, at any moment, that the Lord can come for us. And we don't know the date. You know, I'm very much against date-sitting, but with the events in the world, it does seem like the tribulation is getting closer and closer, and hence um, the rapture. But it's, it's important because our hope is not on on surviving somehow through God's wrath in this upcoming period of tribulation, but our hope is in Jesus appearing. And and I believe you really see that in in Philippians three twenty and twenty one. It talks about waiting for waiting for our Lord Jesus to come from heaven. And that idea of waiting there is an intense, eager anticipation that we're eagerly anticipating his return. And I think it's, I believe it's important because this is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that he's coming for us, and I believe he's coming for us before the the tribulation starts. And in my book, I, I start out by, by letting, by having premillennialism is the basis for that hope. Because if you don't believe in premillennialism, then you don't take scripture seriously. Um, they allegorize it, those who oppose premillennialism. And, and that is the belief that there's a literal thousand year reign of Christ, just as described in Revelation 20, 1 through 10. And then after that, then you look at the differences between the second coming and the verses on the rapture, and you see that there's many things 
that show that these are two separate and different events, and then you go on to the imminent. That's important. Uh, let, let me stop you there because I want I wanted okay. to get into that. So when we talk about the second coming of Christ and also the rapture, many times mm-hmm. those those two are conflated into one thing. But your book makes it yes. clear your your position is that the return of Christ and then the rapture is a separate issue. Explain why exactly. that's important and, and tell us why those are separate. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I can tell you um, why they're, why I believe they are separate. First of all, is the order of the resurrection. When you look at 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4, you see that the resurrection of the dead saints, of the dead in Christ, that happens, that happens first. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul makes a big issue of the fact that that happens first, and then um, those who are alive are caught up to be with him in the air, to meet him in the air. Uh, when you look at um, Revelation 20, verse 4, you see that the resurrection happens last after a long series of events. You have the Lord returning. Every eye sees him. Um, he he sends the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. He defeats an army. He comes, he sits up thrones, and then the the tribulation saints are raised from the dead. And so not only is the order of the resurrection different, but the identity of those raised from the dead is very different too. And so in one case, he raises the the dead in Christ, the church age saints first. In the other case, it may not even be the same day when, when the tribulation saints are raised and they're identified as tribulation saints rather than the dead in Christ. And then the quickness of the event, um, the passages that talk about the rapture, especially 1 Corinthians 15, the rapture is a very quick and sudden event. Um, with the second coming, it's drawn out over time. And also the rapture is presented as a mystery. It's something that's Jonathan, let me, let, let me jump in okay. there because uh, I want to make sure okay. I, I, I understand this because there's a lot of, okay. lot of information there. So um, when what, yeah. what most people believe is that there, mm-hmm. there will be a day, we don't know when that day will happen, that Christ mm-hmm. will return. And on that day, right. on his return, that the dead in Christ, those people that, that died, their physical remains will be, will be resurrected, uh, and, and caught up in mm-hmm. the air with Christ. And then those that are alive that are believers will also be caught up. And this is the, you know, the, su- the, the subject of movies, you know, left behind and the book series mm-hmm. and how people will disappear on, uh, you know, an airline pilot will disappear in flight. Uh, you'll have a bus driver yeah. disappear. Uh, is, mm-hmm. is that narrative? Is that incorrect? Is that what you're saying? That it's not going to be as we have historically uh, understood it in, in that way? No, that you're correct. What I'm saying is that that's different than the second coming because when Christ comes for, for the church age believers, it's a quick sudden event right. and he raises the dead in Christ from, 
from their graves and catches us up to meet him in the air. But when you get over to Revelation 19 and 20, that's a much different event. That's that's when we return with Christ to okay. the earth to, to reign with him. So that's a, there's I, two I, separate Okay, so you, I get it. So you're saying that when we say uh, the second coming, uh, we're actually calling the rapture the second coming, and it's not. The rapture is the rapture, and then the second coming is when Christ returns, and we're returning with him, as in the book of Revelation. Yeah. So this is a this is a separate event. Now, let me shift and ask you about the millennial. So the millennial is okay. this thousand-year period, which some people mm-hmm. say eh, it's not really a thousand-year reign. It's more of a it's 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 kind of a figure of speech, or it's representative of a period of time, but not necessarily a thousand years. And some are very dogmatic that it has to be, no, it has to be the thousand 365 day calendar years. Uh, What do you say about that? The millennial, is it a thousand years? Is it a thousand calendar years? Or is it open to interpretation as to what period of time it would be? I believe it is a thousand year time just because um, the apostle John, when he's writing, um, Revelation 20, he emphasizes that it's a thousand years, that Satan's going to be locked up for a thousand years. And I think, I believe that he mentions the term thousand years several times. And so that's where we go on. That's what it's based on. And I, I believe it will be a thousand years, you know, whether it's exactly to the day or not, but it will be a thousand years. Good, good. I agree with you on that. I'm glad we're both on the same page on that. Now, going back to the question of the rapture in the book, one of the things that you bring up is that some people challenge the idea of a rapture because they say that that doctrine, that idea of a quote-unquote rapture, was not really something that was taught in the church before the 1800s. How do we respond to people that have that position? Okay. Well, first of all, I I would start out by by showing them that the, the event that we call a rapture is a historical event, a scriptural event, I mean, not a historical, a scriptural event. And you look at First Thessalonians 4, there is going to be a time when the Lord descends from heaven, the voice of the archangel, the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to be rise, and so forth. And so if you take that event away, then you're discrediting scripture, you're saying that scripture is not true. And the term rapture comes from the Latin raptura, which is found in the um, Latin translation of the Bible by Jerome back in about 400 AD called the Vulgate. And they translated the, the Greek harpazo in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, which if this is caught up, they translated it rapturo. And for some reason, people or theologians in the late 1800s began applying that term the English version of it, rapture to this event that Paul describes in First um, Corinthians 15, First Thessalonians 4, um, Philippians 3, and Titus 2, 13 to 15, you know, that our blessed hope. And so that's where I would start with. But so you're saying, that the, you're saying that this is just a matter of how the Bible was translated because the phrase caught up could be translated as rapture. So just because we didn't hear the word rapture until the 1800s, mm-hmm. that doesn't in any way take away from 
the idea that that's exactly what we're talking about here in Scripture. Yes, exactly. And then I would also point out that there are several instances in Scripture where um, where church fathers, such as Irenaeus, you know, has a distinction. He talks about the time when when the Lord comes for us, the harpazo, and then it's followed by a time of tribulation, the tribulation that Paul talked, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24. There is also a guy named Cyprian um, who talked about um, the departure of the church. It followed by a time of tribulation. And then there's another guy called Ephraim the Syrian, and he wrote a sermon in the 4th century um, that describes the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, some people say that um, it was... It was actually preached in the seventh century, and that someone used a synonym or not a pseudonym for it. But either way, you have an evidence of a sermon being preached in church history, um, probably in the fourth century, as late as the seventh century, that was distinctively pre-tribulation in 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 content, and so the. The idea that the idea of a rapture didn't exist is just wrong, and that there was a distinction between Jesus appearing for his church in the second coming at a very early time in church history. Very good. I'm going to open up the phone lines because a lot of our listeners like to ask questions about Bible prophecy. Okay. If you're just tuning in right now, our guest is Jonathan Brentner. I'm holding up his book on the video feed here. The book is The Triumph of the Redeemer. The book is available on Amazon, but this is also through Defender Publishing, our friends at Skywatch mm-hmm. TV. So you can also just Google Skywatch TV and you can find the book in the Skywatch TV bookstore. If you want to call in right now with a question, we'll take some questions live. The number is 646 716 4041. The number is on your screen if you're watching on one of our video streams, or I'll mention it again one more time here for those listening on audio, area code 646-716-4041, your questions on Bible prophecy, or you can send your question by email, and several have already done so, jim at christianmoney.com, jim at christianmoney.com. And we'll go to one of those questions right now. Someone wants to know, where are we on the timeline of Bible prophecy? They're saying that it sure seems like we're in the very end days. And I know it's tough, right? Because we're not supposed to be date setters, but it really does seem like we're getting close, doesn't it? It sure does. And I believe that we're right at the end of human history. And I believe that God has been restraining things um, to the Holy Spirit. And when, as soon as that restraining stops when we're gone, then the tribulation, or the day of the Lord, the tribulation will start. And I base that a lot on the four horsemen in Revelation 6. You know, you have the idea of war, and we see just the such a threat of war right now existing starting in between Russia and Ukraine and then Saudi Arabia and Yemen and the Houthis there are the, you know, that terrorist group is attacking um, Saudi Arabia. There's lots of sparks that could really ignite things. And then, you know, the 
third rider is the famine. And, oh, do we ever see the possibility of famine? Well, Biden just Biden just said there's going to be a food shortage. He just said that last week, which surprised me, because normally when you're going to have a shortage of something, you don't announce it. Because even if you don't have the shortage, in reality, you cause a shortage by telling people there's going to be no toilet paper or whatever you're predicting will be a a shortage. And he said there will be a food shortage Uh, later. The White House, the White House followed up later and said, but not here in the U.S. But uh, but still, I think they were trying to kind of. Uh, reverse what he had said but uh you know it's it's scary because you go to the grocery store even now there are a lot of things not on the on the shelves your empty shelves right now mm-hmm. even post covid and all of that uh you're right uh we could be facing a famine yeah these things just seem so eminent to me but again i i believe that god has been restraining a, a physical not a physical a financial calamity in the united states for a long time you know with the printing of money and everything i keep thinking when is inflation going to turn to hyperinflation and everything crash but i think that i believe that the lord has been restraining things to keep that from happening you wonder like what's keeping you're a business guy a business analyst was your career uh, before you retired you wonder what's keeping the market from collapsing because when you look at uh, what's happening in the economy it just certainly doesn't seem to justify the market continuing to make new records new records new records and like you said uh inflation is out of control and they're not even really telling mm-hmm. us what real inflation is uh but the, no. the, the other thing i read the other day was that china's new plans for a digital currency Some people think that could replace the U.S. dollar, the Chinese digital, basically the Chinese version of Bitcoin, their national Mm -hmm. currency could actually wipe out and replace the dollar. So that could be another uh, sort of event. But uh, another question here kind of tied into this is somebody wants to know about the mark of the beast. They want to know, are any of these technologies, they're asking about cryptocurrency, they're asking about uh, end times, the Antichrist are we seeing any of the precursors or sort of setting the stage for a mark of the beast? Oh, absolutely. And I wrote um, four blog posts on transhumanism um, probably in the spring of last year or the summer of last year. And in one of those posts, I went through the the technologies that are just setting the stage. Um, Bill Gates has this um patent this international patent where where someone has a device on them or in them and it records their behavior and transmits it to a computing uh center a, a computer that's off you know away somewhere distant it, so it keeps track of their behavior sends it to a computer wow. and then that computer tells tells another computer how much currency they should receive. In other words, it's kind of a reward. Wow. Well, that could easily, you so know, So you're talking happened. about, I got to ask you this, because you're talking about like that onboard chip you can get, I think it's with progressive insurance, where it will monitor how you drive. And based on that, you could get a better deal on your auto insurance. You're saying that there's a chip that goes inside of a human being that tracks our behavior and then that would decide 
what we would be entitled to in like some sort of social credit system. And that is actually something that's being developed right now or already exists? Um, yes. The patent came out in 2020, and and it was a Bill Gates Microsoft patent, and so the system is being developed. And of course, it sounds kind of benign the way they describe it, but in the hands of someone like the Antichrist, then of course, you know, they could monitor behavior and reward you financially. And I don't know where it is in in development and i know that the i mean plans it's, it's are. just scary that someone has that idea i mean to me yeah it's like i was saying in our new segment that uh elon musk said one of his greatest fears is artificial intelligence going wrong and mm. this sounds mm. pretty darn close to that it's interesting that you mentioned transhumanism this is a big thing people think this is science fiction but it's not science fiction we're really really on the cusp of humans being able to sort of combine with uh, computer technology and then your life is extended, or at least that's the, the concept behind it. Isn't that right? And this is something that is, is happening like right now in our lifetime. This is not science fiction, but the idea of, of a human being becoming part computer is, is actually something being worked on. Oh, absolutely. And it's also part of the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab and what, what they call it the fourth industrial revolution. And there was a lot of stuff out on their website earlier, but I think they've kind of hidden it because I've done a lot of research on transhumanism and I'm doing some more writing on it um, for Defender. But it is a huge issue, and it is scary. And and Bill Gates has another um, idea called it's called ID twenty twenty, and the idea behind that is to give um, a legal identification to all the all the people in the world who who might escape it may escape of such a thing because they're living in remote parts of the world and jungles, you know. And so he's saying all these people don't have a real identification and we want to give them an, a legal identification. Wow. And of course he wants to do it through, through a vaccine, through um, some kind of tattoo that'll tell people instantly if, if they have been vaccined or not. And of course the whole thing about the vaccines is to start tracking people, to start tracking a whole lot more than whether they're vaccines or not. Right. So so they, so that would be the idea, like, we're going to use this technology just to track who's been vaccinated or not, to control the flow of people who are vaccinated or not vaccinated into public venues. But like you said, that might be the reason that they use to start the technology, but then who knows what else they use it uh, for tracking. I, I imagine this, you know, you see these riots that take place. I could see somebody saying over a loudspeaker, either disperse from this gathering or you're each going to be fined a thousand dollars immediately and to know who's there and to be able to press a button and take a thousand dollars out of everybody's bank accounts that refuses to disperse. I could absolutely see something like that happening. And what a way to control people and control their behaviors. Someone else is emailing. They want to know, do you believe the Antichrist is alive today? And 
I, I'm not asking you to name them, but they're just saying, do you think the person is alive today? Are we that close to the end of time? Yes, I do believe that he is alive. Wow. Um, you know, I don't know who he is, but I believe that we're that close to the end that he is alive. And Prince Charles at some, at some world gathering, you know, referred to a hymn. It says, we're trying to get as much money for him as possible. We want trillions of dollars at his disposal. He didn't identify who the hymn was, wow. but, but he referred to some, to some mysterious figure that, that they're trying to get money to. Now, I don't believe that we'll know the identification for sure of the Antichrist before the rapture. And I base that on, um, second Thessalonians two, but I believe that he possibly is alive. He probably is alive just based on seeing how close we are to the tribulation. Very good. As we close it out, uh, tremendous interview, and I want to highly recommend this book. Uh, take a minute or two and tell people about the book and what they'll find uh, if they take the, the chance to get a copy of it and read it. What is in this book? Okay. Are you still with us? Yep, I'm still here. Yep, yeah, yeah. You. go ahead. And, yeah, just give us a minute or two uh, to tell us about the book and what people will get in the book if they order it. Okay, one of the things I try to do in the book is to give people a firm scriptural basis for what they believe, because Satan attacks that so very hard, and it all leads up to the end, which I call the triumph of the redeemed, and I talk about five particular five things in particular that we have to look forward to. And first of all, is an imperishable glorified bodies. And because we hear so little about the rapture, we also hear so, uh, very little about these glorified bodies that we're going to have, imperishable and mortal. And it's going to be an inner healing as well, an inner restoration. And then I talk about the jubilant celebration that we'll be a part of, returning to earth with Christ and reigning with Christ. And I think that is also an important thing because we suffer a, a number of things in this life and sometimes we don't understand what's going on. But I believe a lot of the talents that the Lord has given us, the experiences that we have, the hardships we have, we'll understand perfectly when we reign with Christ because he's preparing us for that. So he's not He's not only sending trials our way and giving us gifts for ministering here in the here and now, but he's also preparing us for an eternity with Christ, beginning with our reign with him. And then I end by talking about the new earth and the new Jerusalem where It'll just be spectacular. It'll be better um, than Disney. It'll be better than Disney World. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm joking. Than... I'm joking. Yeah, I know you the are. book is it'll... called The Triumph of the Redeemed, and you can get it through Defender Publishing, our friends at Skywatch TV, Google Skywatch TV. You can get it in the Skywatch TV store. Or if you want to, you can go into your Amazon account, type it in the triumph of the redeemed. And Jonathan Brenner, thank you so much for being here, sir. We'll definitely have you back again. Okay. Thank you for having me, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thank you. What a fascinating guy. Uh, that I'll tell you what, that whole conversation 
of end times, the Antichrist, the rapture, the mark of the beast. It just, it, I mean, it gives me chills. You could see the, the goosebumps on my arms right now. I mean, it is, it just, it's scary. It's exciting. And it's certainly supernatural. That's for sure. And one of our favorite topics tonight, uh, Bible prophecy. Thanks so much for being with us. We know you've got a lot of other options that you can take advantage of on a Sunday night. And we appreciate that you spend your Sunday nights with us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.